0: The Manchester and Merseyside derbies are massive clashes with local pride on the line. But the rivalry between Manchester United and Liverpool remains one of English football's most emotional occasions, arguably the closest thing the Premier League has to El Clasico. It's an enmity that goes all the way back to the 19th century between clubs that have won 39 top flight titles between them. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. or rivalry on this show it's all about sweetness light and winners and my regular wingman Mark O'Hare is ready to spread the betting love Mark both of these teams won 3-2 in the Champions League in midweek Manchester United coming back from 2-0 down to beat Atalanta Liverpool saw off Atletico Madrid in what was a much more chaotic and goal-filled game than I think we expected wasn't it really
1: Yeah, definitely. I didn't didn't anticipate a 3-2 away win. That's for sure. Um, But yeah, Man United, um, people will say they got out of jail a bit against Atalanta. I actually thought they played reasonably well for the most part. I know defensively there was still a bit of a car crash, but even at 2-0 down it felt harsh. I thought going forward they were starting to function a little bit. There still was a massive chasm between defense and attack in the midfield, despite Solskjaer making, you know, tactical tweaks to his team and, and fielding the two defensive midfielders. So they still looked completely out of the depth with in terms of a lack of cover from elsewhere in the team. But you know, I, I thought United played all right. I didn't think they wouldn't say they definitely deserved to beat Atalanta, but I think they definitely deserved to avoid defeat in that game. Um, And that wasn't just a, you know, down to game state and then chasing the match. I thought even before falling behind, they they looked all right. So uh, this is a really interesting one, obviously. Um, I think Liverpool are going to Old Trafford now for the fifth season in a row as favourites. But I don't want to sort of chuck out all these lazy stereotypes about form going out of the window in a a derby. But, you know, recent history suggests that this is a tricky game for Liverpool to negotiate, even when they have been favourites. I know they won here in May as 2.45 shots, but during the title-winning campaign, they were held at Old Trafford. They were evens in that match. The season before, they were held as well, and they were 2.2. And the year before that, they lost when they were favourites as well. So they're hovering around the sort of 2.3 mark, 2.35 which I think is near enough, fair enough. Possibly Liverpool deserves to be a little bit shorter just because of the goal-scoring form at front three are in uh, and the way United are defending at the moment. But I just think United would be foolish to go out and try and sort of go gung-ho against this Liverpool team and try and beat them at their own game. If you think of United's better performances under the Solskjaer era, two that stand out or at least games away games at man city and psg definitely do stand out um, and they played a, a containment and counter-attacking approach in those matches uh, and performed reasonably well and they have shut out liverpool too when defending pretty deep and, and uh, doggedly and, and pragmatically and if you think back to last season two solskjaer and the bigger games did tend to sort of shut down things uh, and try and squeeze out a, a win uh, from the narrowest of margins and in, in games involving united against the big six were pretty dull affairs last season and I know there was no fans or anything like that but you know that sort of sticks in my mind a little bit and I think the only way United can get something out of this game really realistically is to be pragmatic in their approach um, but uh, we'll see what they do. Um, is this is a derby anything can happen obviously I do expect Liverpool to win the match but it's just kind of enough there to sort of make me approach this with a bit more of a, a mindset that the draw might be fair enough for both teams here so I I was looking at Liverpool uh, and getting the draw on side in any way I could, and I'm quite surprised, to be fair, but the exchange is offering Liverpool. Zero on the Asian handicap, which was the same as drawn a bet at 1.75. Uh, I expected that to contract. And I think just the fact that United beating Atalanta has allowed it to drift ever so slightly over the past couple of days. It was below 1.7 before the Champions League. It's now at 1.75. I don't think a huge amount has changed uh, in terms of uh, what we're expecting from both teams. Liverpool will go... For United, it's just whether United have the defensive capabilities to keep them out. Um, we know that they've got the quality in forward areas. We know they've got the quality uh, across the park, in fairness, to, to do something here. But uh, whether they've got enough to, to beat this Liverpool team, I'm not so sure. And by that, I mean, just look at the bench at the week, in midweek against Atalanta, the players that they can bring onto the pitch. Um, it does deserve a little bit more respect than probably we're giving them. But uh, ultimately, with Solskjaer in charge, it's hard to have too much faith in United. So I'm pro Liverpool, but I'm just taking a bit more of a cautious approach considering what we've seen in recent seasons.
0: Now I say it's all sweetness and light, but odds compiler and betting expert Mark Stinchcombe has one or two verbal grenades to throw at teams and managers now and again this season. Stinch, we openly declare you and me that we're Liverpool fans on this show, but it's all very much about the odds and about the numbers and about winners. So how do you see this one going?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm finding this one quite tricky, really, because... I just, I think probably uh, I am able to separate emotion and, and and fact. But as a Liverpool fan, obviously you're a bit more immersed in in the games and you have a bit more maybe knowledge compared to your your, your normal fan. But I just feel that Liverpool occasionally have a bit of a mental block at Old Trafford. I mean, Mark mentioned the fact they've gone off favourites on a, on a regular basis, and just haven't managed to capitalise. I know they won the game last season, but that was obviously without without fans. Um, and I just feel as though that kind of atmosphere can, can maybe play a bit of a part. And and when you consider that, you know, Liverpool actually opened up for this as underdogs and um, because of what's gone on particularly at United and probably more so at Liverpool as well with the fact scoring a lot of goals and creating a lot of high quality chances, it has pushed the odds down to where we where we find them now as liverpool as 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 decent favorites so it's it's kind of it's it's difficult to try and find a route to maneuver i think um, the goal line set quite high, and you don't really probably want to be going to into the game opposing goals, especially given the the talent that's on show. I know United haven't been creating lots of high quality opportunities, but they have got uh, that player called Ronaldo, so obviously capable of scoring something out of nothing. Maybe maybe it's worth you know going for the you know one of the the bigger prices uh, in in a in a bet builder with something related to Ronaldo you know it's his first sort of Liverpool Man United game for a very long time you know tensions are going to be high um specifically for him and you know we know what he's like he does come to the fore in uh in big games I'm just having a look at the market here to see what the prices are so he's three to one to be carded which I probably wouldn't want to wouldn't want to take really as a single but you know if you throw him in to score you're going to look at a double figure price so maybe as a bit of interest that could be the way to go we've already seen him uh, celebrate by taking his shirt off a few times this season so that could be something where the emotion just gets the better of him
0: think if I took my shirt off to celebrate having scored a goal, I'd be sent off rather than booked. And I think that would be absolutely fair enough. Uh, Worth bearing in mind, given what Stinch has just said, that our fantastic multiples offer is running every day. Bet £20 on multiples or bet builders and receive a £5 free bet to use on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's apply. The dashing doyen of data. Jake Holzkathorpe is with us from InfoGoal. Jake, you've been talking in glowing terms this season about Liverpool's attacking process. Mo Salah in midweek scored in his ninth consecutive game for Liverpool. The remarkable thing about that is that has never been done before in the club's history, which I found absolutely remarkable. Ian Rush, Robbie Fowler, John Toshak, Kevin Keegan, Roger Hunt, all of these guys and none of them have done what Mo Salah has done in the last few weeks. Yeah, he's playing at an elite level and he has been for a while now. But, I, you know, it's something
3: we, we touched on start of the season in particular, that Liverpool's attacking players, um, they've been so burnt out. They've been playing every summer. They've been playing every single week in the Premier League. So for Salah and Marnie in particular to have a, a summer break almost this, this time around, I think they just look like different players compared to last season. And that has ultimately helped them. Um sort of pick up this this form where they just look unplayable at times and, you know, it's, it's great. We've got them in. Um, Liverpool are flying at the moment, but just lurking around the corner is the African Cup of Nations um, in January and that is something that could potentially derail Liverpool's title uh, challenge because they're going to lose Mane, they're going to lose Salah, they're going to lose potentially Cater as well. Um, so, you know, enjoy them while you can this season because you don't know what could happen.
0: Will they get away with it a little bit because there'll be an FA Cup third round in there, won't there? So they might not miss too many league games, but I get, take the point completely. It could disrupt their rhythm. They might pick up an injury. So in those yeah. couple of games that they might miss, it could I actually could be, be more here, than
3: that. But I was reading today that the African Cup of Nations teams that or players that do go, if they go far in the competition, they could miss up to six Premier League matches. Um, and over that period Liverpool they actually play Chelsea and Leicester twice so it could actually be quite a crucial part yeah. um, I could be wrong here this is just what I've read things might change they might get knocked out in the group stage come back early all that kind of thing can happen um, but yeah enjoy him while you can because he's playing some sensational football is Mohammed Salah and um, it's going to be difficult for this Manchester United defence to stop him and you know looking at the numbers the last six matches uh, Manchester United not including the Carabao Cup game against West Ham they have allowed 1.88 expected goals against per game And that is just sort of relegation kind of level of defending. And I understand what Mark's saying about the fact that Solskjaer does keep things tighter in these bigger matches, but he didn't have Ronaldo before. You know, now you've got Ronaldo. You can't sit sit deep and apply small amounts of pressure here and there and spring on the counter attack because Ronaldo just doesn't do that. Um, You know, I guess we can do a little question. So, based on pressures out of forwards in the entire Premier League, where do you think Ronaldo ranks on a per ninety five basis? Bottom by miles. Isn't it like is not that like two point three or something per uh, game? Three point nine pressures per game, and the average among Premier League forwards for pressures is fifteen point five this season. So <laughs> it, and he's, he's on three. He's okay. on three point nine. So if you round it, if you round it up, he's about he, he pressures. compared to the rest of the Premier League or the average Premier League player. Um, And, you know, Mason Greenwood isn't far in front. He's at 9.9, so he's well below the average as well. Two players that you'd expect to start at the weekend.
0: Um, Wasn't there he... that shot against Leicester of him basically not pressing a player but pointing at Greenwood to get him to do it. Is that That's basically Greenwood's doing Ronaldo's homework for him isn't <laughs> it? It's like, it's like the prefect's kind of bullying the year seven and getting them to do his homework. You're not wrong there, you're not wrong and and I think Greenwood himself there's a couple of shots of him
3: just sort of lazily pressing Soyuncu and then the ball being passed to the left fullback, left fullback and then he's lazily running back and that kind of thing you just can't do against this Liverpool team because they'll cut you apart and I think that the the important thing to note is that this Manchester United team with Ronaldo in it they're at their very best when they pin the opposition back they cannot be playing on the break in my opinion uh, with with Ronaldo in the team obviously they have the players to do that with the Rashfords and etc but the way in which they played when they were doing that over the last last few seasons they had a Rashford and a Fernandez supporting to press and they had Greenwood who was doing a little bit more pressing and Dan James who used to play in these big games who was obviously a high presser and high energy um, so I'm really fascinated to see what he does because in midweek we saw him play a double pivot of McTominay and Fred they still got absolutely torn apart in that first half they looked all over the shop and I think Solskjaer came out in his pre-match um, interview and said that yeah we're playing a four two four or something like that and you know it, I don't even know what, what that is it didn't look like a 4-2-4 um, but Monday Night Football did a really good job of highlighting you know basically the way in which they're just so disconnected and there's talk that maybe Pogba comes in and plays on the left hand side here we'll, you know it's alright putting a, le- a midfielder on the left but is Pogba really going to track Alexander-Arnold down the right hand side uh, you know if it was between him and Sancho I don't know which one I prefer to do that job. I just think it's a really bad matchup for for Manchester United. I really do. I think there's going to be goals, absolutely. Liverpool haven't looked as solid defensively uh, over the last couple of weeks. Obviously, Brentford created a load of chances against them. Atletico Madrid, they created got quite a few decent chances. I know they were playing in a back five, um,
0: but their, their fast breaks were really, really good. Even with 10 men, they caused a few issues. Super weird game that, wasn't it, Jake? Because actually, Atletico had done very Atletico things in the opening exchanges of that game, went 2-0 down and went... Oh well, we'll go at them. And when they went at Liverpool, they looked a totally different team. Exactly. Yeah,
3: yeah. And and that's I think you know it, it may sound silly saying it, but that's the same thing that Brentford did. They went toe to toe with Liverpool and managed to get a result. Obviously, Atletico tried to do that, sort of forced to do that. That maybe this is that's the way to beat this Liverpool team, or at least get a result, is to actually go toe to toe with them because as as much as they can expose you, you can potentially expose their weaknesses um defensively and, and in that midfield. So you know, if I'm to and Solskjaer, I this is not really not a game that I like the look of at all. Um if you play an attacking team, it, it's pretty much a fifty maybe 60-40 in Liverpool's favour, given the way in which they were attacking. Um, And if you play a defensive team, I'll probably give Liverpool more of an edge because I do think that Liverpool have shown that they can break down a deep line block very easily. You know, Watford were... It's a different kettle of fish, obviously. Watford haven't got the individuals that Manchester United have, but they just sat back and didn't put any pressure on the ball and Liverpool carved them open. And we've seen them do that to teams week in, week out. Crystal Palace did something similar a few weeks ago. So it's a bit of a rock and hard place for Manchester United, and, and that's why, like with you know Marcus trying to get Liverpool on side with a draw no bet, I think that's a, a really really sensible bet. I'm more than happy just to plump for a Liverpool win because I think that they're the way in which Manchester United are defending and the way in which Liverpool are attacking. I mean they're they're averaging 2.85 expected goals for per game in the Premier League alone this season. And for context, Manchester United have only breached 2.85 xg in one Premier League match this season. So, Liverpool are averaging that over eight games. Manchester United have managed that in just one of their eight matches. So, it kind of just puts into context how higher level this Liverpool attack is, is functioning at, at the moment. They're full strength. They've got everybody back. Firmino's back on the goals. Jota can come off the bench and, and, you know, he won the penalty in midweek. It's stupid defending, but he's still putting himself in the position and chasing a lost cause, effectively. Um, Alexander-Arnold's fit. Robertson's fit. So I, I I do really like Liverpool and obviously I back them in midweek to go to Atletico and get a win and I'm, I'm going to stick by them because I do think that this Manchester United team as we've said they've got unbelievable individuals going forward that can cause issues they can score wonder goals but defensively they're just so lackadaisical uh, and easily to get at and it still doesn't seem like there's much of a, of a plan in place and I, I'm fascinated to see what Solskjaer does because previous games like this in the big games he has reverted to a, a defensive minded approach but yeah, with Ronaldo up there, um applying that pressure and keeping that low block might be a little bit difficult. Um and, and so yeah, Liverpool two point three four. I expected them to be a tad shorter for this. Um I'd price them around two point two. So I think there's just a value play down to that.
0: Lots of European action to get into. We are going to come back to the Premier League, but let's start in Spain with El Clasico. Stinch Barcelona have been slowly, very slowly, but surely improving in recent games. Real Madrid won handsomely in midweek against Shakhtar, but they've had a couple of nightmare results as well. Barcelona 2.72 at Camp Nou to win this one with Real Madrid 2.52. What do we think of this?
2: Yeah, it was. it's quite fascinating, isn't it, to see that Real Madrid are chalked up as favourites. I guess it's basically the fact that Barcelona let all their world-class strikers leave and Real Madrid still possess Benzema. I'd say that's probably the, the reason why they're favourites. Um, to be fair, I don't really want to get either team on side. I've been quite... I mean, everyone's been quite under-impressed with, with Barcelona. I've not been that impressed with Real Madrid. I know they've scored a lot of goals, but most of them have come against the sort of, I would say, cannon fodder, if you like, yeah. of of La Liga in Europe. So 18 of them, in, they've scored 22 goals in La Liga. Uh, but 18 of, 18 of them have come against the bottom eight. And against Espanyol, Betis, Valencia and Villarreal, they've only managed four. And that is not exactly the leading lights of La Liga. They're... they're, they're they're all in the middle third of the table at the moment. And Barcelona are struggling themselves to score goals. They've scored just 14 in eight games. So that's 1.75 per game. With Messi last season, they were scoring 2.25 per game. So that's a drop-off of half a goal, which is massive. So... I'm actually looking at uh, the unders here. I came into this game in my mind thinking, right, you know, kind of a derby. My first thought as as a better myself when I think of a derby, especially in Europe, not so much in, in, uh, in the Premier League, but across Europe, I think I immediately think of a, a low scoring game because both teams would rather not lose than take a chance and go for the win and take too much risk. And yeah, I was quite pleasantly surprised to see that the goal lines at three. I thought we might see it sort of maybe 2.75 or something. La Liga has been slowly um, lowering itself season on season in terms of average goals per game. Like, for example, last weekend, um, Celta v Sevilla, that game last season was 4-3 to Sevilla. Yeah, Unders this season in that game was just 4-9 to nine and Sevilla just scraped it 1-0. And that's a two teams that I would describe at previously as offensive. So it's not it's not between, that wasn't a game between two teams like, you know, like an El Shea and Cadiz or something that are down the bottom of the league and they're both scrapping for goals and points. So La Liga has slowly been going down and, and it's only going to go further with, with, with the absence of world-class players in, in Messi and Ronaldo. And just one of the last five meetings, actually, between Barcelona and Real have gone over three goals. So under three uh, is available at 1.9 on the exchange. So the only way the bet is going to lose if there's four or more goals. And I just think that that is the, the route to go down. Um, Barcelona still monopolising possession, uh, still very healthy 68%. They're not the sort of team that's going to take pot shots, Barca, are they? You know, they like to create, the, you know, these cutbacks, these these um, little transitions where Jordi Alba manages to get around the back of the defence. But they're struggling to create those. They're having just the sixth most shots per game in the league. Still, without I would say a fully fit Aguero and Anzu Fati, who if they were both fit playing, I would definitely have to reconsider this bet. But when you've got someone like Luke de Jong, who's absolutely abysmal, then you don't have to worry, in my opinion. Uh, against Kiev he missed two big chances that really should have been taken. one of them I think maybe with Luke de Jong it might be a pressure thing because he won the Europa League by scoring in the final for Sevilla against Inter you know a massive game massive trophy but when he comes to playing for the, the bigger teams um okay Newcastle aren't a bigger team but at the time it was a big signing for Newcastle and he flopped and I think maybe he's got something to do with the pressure there so I think Barcelona heavily heavily reliant on Memphis to pie for goals so yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the unders here and I might have a sneaky bet on the nil nil at a juicy 22 as well
0: elsewhere in La Liga Mark you've taken a look at Sevilla for
1: us yeah, they host uh, Levante on Sunday um, in Seville. Um, I think Seville will get the points. Uh, Lopetegui's team are second for me on expected points in La Liga. Not to a huge amount to say, which we don't already know. Working from a very solid foundation, they've got the, the sparks and ammunition in the final third. to so to win tight games, as Stinch mentioned last weekend, away at Celta, um, that was their fourth win to nil already this season. And they're second only to Atletico Madrid across a range of the defensive metrics in La Liga. The home record um, traditionally very strong and it has been the case since the start of last season too in the league, they've got 17 wins from 22 home games. 13 clean sheets in that sample as well. Uh, They're around 1.5 favorites to win this batch. Uh, I looked at their record um, when they've been priced up at 1.4 to 1.6 at home in La Liga over the past four seasons. And they've won 25 of 34 games, including 11 of 14 under Lopetegui. So very, very strong. Um, Obviously we can't back them to win at that price, but if you chuck in under four and a half goals, you're getting a 1.75 shot, which I think is a reasonable increase considering um, over 4.5 goals. Only uh, landed twice in their last 22 home games. You've got a collection of correct scores on your side there, so a lot of insurance. Um, Unfortunately, Levante have been one of the the better teams to watch from the sort of middle bottom ranks of La Liga, haven't really fired yet this season. They're only averaging seven shots, so no wonder they're winless after nine games, just five points on the board, failed to score in their last four games, only scored one open play goal all season and uh, yeah something isn't working right now for Levante they've only kept two clean sheets away from home since the start of last season uh, a big loss rate away from home as well and there's few tougher places to go than Sevilla uh, when you're not in form and lacking confidence so expect Sevilla to get the job done and getting the under four and a half goals on side gives you one nil, 2 nil, 3 nil, 4 nil, 2-1 and 3-1 so plenty to sort of uh, fall back on if Levante do get a goal
0: Now we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet. So Betfair is now offering no cash out suspensions on match odds over under and goal markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty, more European action to come, but let's take it back to the premier league West Ham against Spurs. Jake, you've been taking a look at this one for us. The hammers 2.46 favorites to win this London Derby with Spurs 3.1. If I look at the two, teams Jake and you asked me which is the more balanced I'd say West Ham by miles you, you know you look at the, the spine of the team I like the goalkeeper Fabianski I think he's very competent solid maybe the back four is, is the only big issue Rice and Socek's a brilliant pairing love the flair ahead of them in Ben Rama, Bowen guys like that and then Mikel Antonio's getting better all the time in attack
3: yeah, yeah they are the most balanced team out of the two absolutely and I think um, it's been interesting to keep an eye on Spurs. Obviously, very critical of them at the start of the season, but we've started to see Nuno adapt his style a little bit. Um, he played uh, a little bit more adventurous at Newcastle um, against Aston Villa as well. Start to see them create a few more chances and, and get you know Son and Kane into more scoring positions. So it'd be interesting to see how they do in this game and, and moving forward if they continue to adopt that approach. Um, but yeah, West Ham, they have really impressed yet again this season. They've actually, through eight matches, they've improved their underlying process on last season, which was already very, very good. So they're now creating nearly 1.9 expected goals for per game, which is a staggering amount. And um, like you said, all the flair players in front of that, that solid double pivot have really done some damage. And Mikel Antonio in particular has been extremely difficult to stop. And while they are creating more chances, though defensively they've remained at a similar level, and that's let, led to you know entertaining games. They've been conceding a fair amount of chances while also creating plenty. Obviously, we didn't quite get that last week at Goodison Park, but I think that was more down to Everton and, and the key players that they were missing and, and their sort of lack of invention um, than it was for West Ham. And they play a Tottenham team here, who, as I've said, have been a bit more adventurous in their approach the last couple of weeks even before that, they were conceding a lot of good chances, playing a more defensive, pragmatic style, um, but even more so now, they're playing uh, a more adventurous style. We're seeing them look even more vulnerable and that centre-back pairing at Spurs doesn't fill me with confidence. The protection of that centre-back pairing also doesn't fill me with confidence. And the full-backs as well, there's question marks there about their defensive abilities, but going forward, they, they've looked much better, um, as I've said, getting Kane and, and Son into more scoring positions more regularly. And, um, but yeah, you know, Newcastle, it's difficult to gauge that kind of performance because we spoke about their struggles this season. Um, obviously, Zombie Bruce in the dugout
0: was, was not a help. But um, that, overall, will make, I- that will make no sense to anybody <laughs> who didn't listen to Saturday, to the, Saturday, the, the yeah. podcast for Saturday. But if it doesn't make sense to you, go and listen to it anyway a good show yeah, why haven't you, you listened listen to I mean, it come exactly on. carry um, on Jake <laughs> but yeah it, it, all in all I think that we could be in for an entertaining game
3: and I know that Stinch has put up the overs in this game for the for the podcast treble um, also on Saturday's show if you didn't listen go go listen again Jake's um, just going to
0: do the entire Saturday show for you as a kind <laughs> yeah, of reprise yeah, basically you, yeah. so where else we go Crystal Palace and- <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, both teams to
3: score I'm going to take a safer approach than the over two and a half and both teams to score at 1.71 um, looks a really sensible bet I think it was around this price for Spurs at Newcastle last week um, I'll probably make it a bit more likely this week given that they're playing West Ham who are you know a much better attacking team than what Newcastle are Um but as you know, as Stinch has said already, that defensively West Ham, these matches in particular, they were both very high scoring last season. Obviously, a different coach in the Spurs, so again, but majority of the same players, and West Ham performing
0: in a similar manner defensively. So I think that this is a really solid bet. Both teams to score. Massive, massive games in Italy this weekend. Let's start with the Derby d'Italia between the Champions Inter and improving Juventus at San Siro. Juve, the outsiders here at 3.55. Stinch, I've got to say, when I saw that, I was really quite surprised because... I know that Juve aren't the team they were, and I know there are still some issues, but they're keeping clean sheets, they're winning games, they're playing the kind of football that Max Allegri largely wants to play.
2: Indeed, but I think spoken about Juventus a few times this season, the market doesn't like them. It doesn't <clears throat> it doesn't like it. It's not happy to get on board on based on results only. It this performances in in their eyes is is not advantageous to having a shorter priced team, essentially, I mean, best examples last weekend against Roma I think they had just six shots in the entire game Roma had 16 I think they were out by a Mourinho team which you wouldn't associate um, and against Zenit they they went off uh, 2.5 which just seems to me like enormous so the fact that they're 3.3 at Inter arguably I expected them to be a little bit higher to be honest so I, I couldn't put anyone off taken into if if they wanted. But as you mentioned, you know, it is that kind of approach between style and results. You know, are you a better that focuses on process and you're not that too too fussed about results because you believe long-term, the process will, will get you the results that you, you deserve, or you rather someone that focuses on someone like Juventus where it's not about process. I think Mark mentioned it quite well. It's just sort of the win at all costs. Yeah. Um, that's a (laughs) legree ball. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you want to label it, label it like that, that's probably a very good, um, very good tag. I mean, you, as you mentioned, they've won the last six games, but they've won them all by just a single margin of one goal. Obviously, no Dybala, and I think that's the guy that's probably going to help knit all these clever, exciting young players together eventually. But having said all that, on the flip side, I've been a bit disappointed with Inter in the bigger games this season. They lost three one away at Lazio last season. Sorry, last week where they were five to four favourites. They only drew two two with Atalanta where they were ten to eleven favourites, and they lost at home to Madrid where they were eleven to eight favourites. So, in the bigger games this season, I've been I've been you know disappointed with with their results essentially. Um, I'm not reading too much into it because obviously it's it's very early for both Allegri and and Inzaghi. Um, so actually, I decided that the best route here was to try actually focus on on a bigger price, given the kind of the lack of like long term data, essentially. Um, and I was looking at what I, th- what I just think is absolutely enormous in, in the sports book. So I had a look in the assist market and you've got the likes of Alexis Sanchez and Hakan Kalanoglu, who are like three to one faves. I really like the look of Nicola Barella to get an assist at 13 yeah. to two. That's a great shout He's got five in Serie A this season already. He picked up two for Italy in their run to the championship in the Euros. Going back to last season, he picked up one in the final few games. So he's got he's got six in his last eleven, which is a fairly healthy strike rate. And we're looking at odds of you know thirteen to two, which suggests he's only got a twelve percent chance. Just just seems enormous. He was voted the best midfielder in Serie A last season, which kind of tells you all you need to know. He's this all-action midfielder. is going to be there, here, there, everywhere. Essentially Uh, in this game last season, he actually assisted Arturo Vidal for the first goal. And under Simonian's Zaghi Inter have scored 23 goals in the eight games. So it's nearly three a game. Um, so if if they get, if they manage to score, you know at least a couple here, I would definitely expect there's a good chance of him him providing the chance. So yeah, I think uh, there's kind of pros and cons for siding with with either team here, and I don't really want to take the goals angle, even though naturally Syria encourages goals. Just because I think we know how Allegri is going to set up here is going to be tight and defend so I think it makes sense to try and get into onside somehow so yeah I've just gone for quite a juicy price Elsewhere in Italy, Mark, you have a wager from Verona
0: against Lazio.
1: Yeah, uh, Stinch has already hinted at it there, but uh, Italy is the place to be for goals and entertainment. 3.18 goals per game so far this season. The last two campaigns have easily featured above three goals per game on average. This season, 66% of games have featured over 2.5 goals. 45% have gone over three and a half goals, which is mad, really. And, uh, you know, if you turn that 66% into implied odds, he'd be looking at a 1.5 shot for over two and a half goals. Yeah, Verona versus Lazio is being chalked up as a 1.75 shot for over two and a half goals, which is saying 57% chance. Now, obviously, that's a crude way of just sort of making your prices, but it gives you an idea of of where the market is at compared to where the league average is at. And I think Lazio did the business for us uh, last week against Inter, and um, I'm just keen to get them back on side here because they're still yet to keep a clean sheet domestically under Sari. They've conceded multiple goals in half of their eight games. And on the road, they've been pretty flaky as well. They've beaten 3-0 at Bologna before the international break. A real no-show. However, going forward, Immobile is back, He scored last week and uh, he's everything for them, even if they have got uh, terrific attacking players elsewhere in the team. Philippe uh, Anderson starting to find form. Uh, Milinkovic Savic had a great game last weekend as well. But uh, yeah, they're going to have plenty of joy against this Verona team who uh, are already onto their second coach this season in Igor Tudor and they have improved uh, under him. However, they've got this horrific knack for starting really, really strongly and fading in games. They were terrific for 45 minutes against Milan at the San Siro last week leading 2-0 lost the game 3-2 if games ended at half time so far this season Verona would have 16 points from 8 games which is second in Serie A but they've only picked up 8 points across the whole campaign they've let go a 2 goal lead on 3 occasions already this season uh, so yeah, I mean, if you're in play, I've been looking towards uh, Verona starting strongly and fading. You can actually get the flip-flop of Verona to lead at half-time and Lazio to win the game at 22-1 to on the sportsbook, which might be of interest. But ultimately, it's about goals for me. Verona's season has been uh, chaotic is probably the best way to describe it their results in uh, reverse order 2-3, 1-3, three, three, 2 2 3-3, two, 4-0 three, three, and 2-3 which is a uh, 4.25 goals per game average one clean sheet one game where they failed to score and 7 of 8 have gone over 3.5 goals uh, 4 of those 8 have gone over 4.5 goals uh, and Lazio have gone over 3.5 in 5 of their 8 uh, the reason the price is bigger or the line isn't uh, higher is basically because the underlying numbers in Verona games aren't necessarily matching uh, the overall goals per game. However, I've seen them at first hand now a few times. They are entertaining to watch. They do give you an opportunity and they absolutely will go forward in numbers too. So yeah, I'm expecting Lazio to score as a given and I think Verona can uh, make a game of it too. It should be an entertaining one and I think over two and a half goals at 175 is, is the play.
0: And just finally, the flawless Serie A leaders, Napoli visit Jose Mourinho's
2: Roma Stinch. What do you make of this one? Yeah, Napoli are eleven to eight faves in in the Olympico, which I can kind of get on board with. Napoli hundred percent start to the season. Uh, they've only conceded three goals in in those uh, eight games as well, and so that defense has been maybe not Napoli s what we would associate with them. So that's you know it's quite a good sign under Spalletti. Um, but Roma haven't been haven't been too bad. Uh, won five of their their eight games, uh, but I, I feel as though They've come up come up short in the, in the bigger games. So they lost to uh, against Lazio in the Derby. They lost to uh, Juve last weekend. But you know, big caveat the fact that they they missed the penalty, um, which and they probably deserve to get at least a draw out of that game. But again, as I say, it's a short spread of data, so I don't really want to read too much into it. I mean, last season in this fixture, Napoli were underdogs. Yet yeah, this season, obviously, there's fans back as well. So I th- I think maybe the Napoli price has gone. I'd say probably short enough. They're both involved in Europe this week, so that sort of muddies the waters uh, a little. Um, Roma have actually won the last six home matches in Sy- in Syria, um, although I haven't said that. Napoli have won the last eight on the road as well. I'd say one thing is um, both of them have been very good in their defensive process. So they're top two, oh sorry, they top three for uh, fewer shots conceded, and the top. F- four for fewest expected goals so again it kind of makes me want to lean towards uh, the unders a little bit but again going back to what I said before Serie A is a goal heavy league and it just feels as though you don't really want to be back in unders in in a game where you know you've got lots of high quality players on show that are capable of scoring low quality chances um, Napoli have actually outscored Roma 13-4 in the last five meetings so if Mourinho does maybe revert to type and go defensive I think perhaps Napoli siding with Napoli is the route so you could take Napoli um, plus zero on the Asian handicap so draw no bet essentially at around about 1.85 on the exchange I'm not going to nail my master to that bet i'm just going to sort of suggest that might be the way you want to go instead i'm going to go for for another bigger prize just purely on the fact that as i say we've only got eight games for each manager um to go off and i just think that's a bit too much uh too short a spread of data to when i don't think there's sort of odds the sort of flashing in terms of you know that's massive value or something like that so i'm yeah going to go for a bigger prize again um it, the the assist market caught my eye with a player in particular in in this instance it's Zielinski for Napoli who I believe are going to be the protagonists in this game are going to be the ones that play on the front foot he's six to one any time for an assist and he's got eight in his last 18 Serie A matches so that's you know it's almost 45 percent and we've got a price here that suggests he's only a 14 percent chance market's got Napoli in for around about one and a half goals so. Him and Insigni are the two that really create the chances. Insigni on the on the dead balls, Zielinski from open play, and you know Nap- Napoli have got the the strikers that that could trouble Roma. And if Roma do play this defensive game, then Zielinski is going to get a lot of the ball on the edge of the box, and he might just find that little pass that creates creates a goal for for the uh, Neapolitan. So yeah, I'm I'm going for a, a juicier price here, but I couldn't put anyone off perhaps trying to get Napoli on side in some way. Well,
0: that's all we have time for on this episode of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of other Betfair shows to enjoy like NFL Only Better, Cricket Only Better and two racing shows. Check us out on social at Betfair or at Betfair Racing or visit Betfair.com. From Jake, Mark, Stinch and me, it's goodbye for now.